podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first edition of the Anfield Index Preview Show. Premier League preview show, of course, of the 18-19 season as a new-look Liverpool kick things off against West Ham at Anfield this Sunday. Joining me for this first pod of the season are AI contributor John Sutherland and freelance journalist for Shortlist and Vice Sports uh, UK, uh, Tom Victor. Welcome, guys. Hi there. Hey, thanks for having me on. No, good to speak to you both. It's um, it's almost like you, at this stage, usually we're talking about how we've been starved of football for weeks and months, etc., Obviously, that's not been the case with the World Cup and perhaps one of the best World Cups in recent years, of course. Um, but I think you know, probably all of us are uh, looking forward to the start of the, of the new Premier League season for various reasons. Um, it just doesn't, you know, doesn't feel quite the same, despite us uh, sort of throwing ourselves, immersing ourselves into the World Cup football. As I know you did, Tom, um, <laughs> for sure, based on your Instagram yeah. stories alone, um, this was a man who was... He was a fan of every country, every nation. <laughs> it, 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 it just depended on who was uh, you know, perhaps the most compelling game or fixture of the day. So, uh, Tom, great to speak to you. Um, of, of course, plenty of things have changed since we last spoke about West Ham. Um, plenty of things seem to change with West Ham on a regular basis. Um, so, first of all, what I wanted to ask you really was what your final thoughts were uh, towards the end of last season, um, and, and whether the club were right to move on from from Davy Moyes, was he unlucky to lose his job? Were the club right not to give him a long term uh, contract, despite the fact that you know, at one stage it looked like relegation perhaps was inevitable, um, and, and in the end um, you, you managed to negotiate that fairly uh, fairly comfortably. Um, yeah, hi. Uh, thanks for having me back on. <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess the end of last season it was more kind of. You know, focus on staying up, and that's it. That's the only thing that matters. Performances were nothing. Results were everything. And um, and we managed that. Luckily, we uh, had a couple of decent results towards the end of the season that kind of elevated us far above where we probably deserved to finish. Uh, but yeah, the important thing was staying up and you know rebuilding for the new season. And obviously, worryingly, the year before. We were saying the same thing. I think um, I think I, I might have gone on just before West Ham played Liverpool at the end of the 16-17 season uh, when we were looking at it and thinking, OK, fine, things haven't gone how we hoped, but next season, start afresh. The fact that Moyes kept us up, I think you can look at parallels with Bilic doing the same thing the year before. And I think everyone agreed pretty early on last season that not part of Wales of Village and giving any manager a pre-season was probably a mistake. So uh, with Moyes, I think it's you know a case of thanks for what he did, and um, you know I, I don't think there's really much he could have done that would have given him a longer-term deal. Um, whether he deserves it or not is, I mean, depends whose measurements you're going by, but I'm sure he'll think he did deserve more time. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, th- I think you're right to mention Bilic there, and uh, there's a, not not just with with West Ham, but I think with, with 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 plenty of clubs as well. There's often been a tendency to maybe hang on too long to a manager, even if they have su- succeeded in avoiding relegation or, or something along those lines. 
often the, the temptation is to stick um, and, and, and very often it's proven to be incorrect. So it, it was interesting to see you move decisively about that. Um, I remember seeing news about Moyes having a, a meeting with the board and it, it seemed almost that afternoon or even the next day that the decision was made to move on from him. So um, it, it seemed fairly decisive there from West Ham in terms of the, their decision-making process in that. But um, there was loads of unrest. I mean, it was like loads of unrest, but there was there was a fair amount of unrest last season. Let's, let's uh, put it that way. I mean, we can all remember that sort of capture the flag moment <laughs> on the pitch. Um, uh, you know, plenty of sort of hangover issues with the stadium, of course. Um, are there any signs, in your opinion, Tom, that the club are under uh, sort of uh, addressing the underlying issues that uh, are the reason for that unrest at the club? Obviously, I, I don't want to put all this um, the blame on the manager or the players themselves. There did, there did seem to be something a bit deeper that was wrong at, um, at the club last season. Is there any impression that those are those issues are being tackled, or is it just a case of fresh faces in in the dugout and in, on the pitch? Um, yeah, and no, I think there is a bit of that. Um, I think a lot of the unrest. I mean, there are obviously multiple reasons for it, but I think it was exacerbated by the spending in January or the lack thereof. Um, you know, a team in the middle of a relegation fight signing a, a player on loan and a championship striker who was never going to be first choice was not what fans wanted, probably not even what fans expected considering, you know, the club has not been afraid to spend money in the past. But um, I think, yeah, that's been, it's almost a case of, you know, the, the, uh, the board taking action after after hearing the fans' displeasure, and you know we've broken our transfer records either once or twice, depending on. I'm not sure what the job fee ended up being this summer. Um, we strengthened the squad, we strengthened areas that it feels like needed strengthening, and um, you know we've we've got a manager who is probably the best we could have got considering the club's position. So with all that in mind, I think. Um, if nothing else, the board have probably bought themselves a bit of time. I think they've got a bit of goodwill from the fans in terms of it's going to be a bit of optimism going into the new season, at the very least. Yeah, for sure. You, I mean, you mentioned that, uh, uh, I mean, both the players coming in through the door, but also the, the new manager as well, somebody who we're, we're familiar with from his time at City, Manuel Pellegrini, of course. Um, but mentioning those, those signings, because, of course, you mentioned Diop there in terms of breaking your transfer record, Diop coming in for £22.5 million in the end. Um, Felipe Anderson, of course, uh, a big signing, £34.2 million from Lazio. Um, I think plenty of people will be aware of Felipe Anderson from uh, from Twitter or online in terms of just just the way in which he lit up uh, uh, Syria a couple, couple of years ago now, it seems, even before the injury issues that he had. But um, to move on to transfers then, Tom, um, you've been very active in the market this uh, this summer, bringing in an, an array of attacking talent, but also seeming to wanting to address some of the issues at the back as well. Fabianski coming in, uh, Diop, as you mentioned there, centre-back. Um, uh, Fabian Barbueno as well coming in, uh, as it, Fredericks as well, as a right-back from Fulham. Um, and of course, actually, I'm, I'm not sure whether he's set to go back out on loan again, but Reece Oxford, of course, coming back from that Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, loan that he had as well. Um, so what I want to ask you first and foremost, actually, is... Um, whether you think this window has been an effective one for West Ham, you know, key weaknesses, have they been addressed? Or is it a case of um, 
what might be a simplistic reading of how West Ham have done transfer winners before, but is it, is it just a case of buying names again and, and maybe leaving some issues unaddressed? Um, I think, um, you know, at least on the surface of it, the goal has been from this transfer window to have two players for every position, which we found wanting very much so last season, um, especially at right back. I think um, Pablo Zabaleta having to play that much football last season was, I mean, it's something that I guess worked out in the end, but something that we probably don't want to see again this year, <laughs> as good as he was. Yeah. And um, we love Pablo. We love Pablo. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, he um, he's not getting any younger. He's, you know, as a right back in a back four, he's going to be put under a lot of pressure. He was targeted a couple of times last season, I think the Brighton game in particular. So having Fredericks' competition there is certainly going to be helpful. Um, I mean, Sam Byron was originally thought of as the player who would do that, and his injury troubles mean he will probably leave this summer. Um, and yeah, centre-back, um, and speaking of injuries, Winston Reid is out for three months. James Collins is gone now, but he was you know, hit by injuries quite a bit last season. So bringing in Babuena and Jot this summer, I mean, you'd expect one of those two to play alongside Ogbonna. Um, I mean, it's it's a centre-back pairing where, you know, hopefully have a bit of continuity and a bit of stability throughout the season rather than just essentially playing who's available and there only be one person available. Yeah. Yeah, personally, I mean, from the outside, that always seemed an issue to me in terms of you guys having not a consistent pairing back at the back, it always seems to sort of lead to uncertainty. I mean, I mean, personally, Ogbonna is somebody who I've always rated fairly highly in terms of his actual ability, whether he always shows it on the actual pitch is a, is a completely another question, really. But um, some of the other players who, of course, are high profile, Felipe Anderson, who I mentioned, of course, um, Jack Wilshere, of course, from, uh, <laughs> uh, from Arsenal, um, finally moving on from the club after, it seemed like, three or four injury-ravaged seasons. Um, whether you want to put it completely down to injuries, that's your own um, choice. Um, I'm, I'm going to leave that with you, Tom, based upon sort okay. of the, all the rumours that are flying around about Jack Wilshere. Um, but um, Lucas Fabianski as well, who's someone who I've always sort of had a fairly good opinion of as well, who've come in during this window. And Yarmolenko as well, who uh, Liverpool were linked with um, previously, actually, in terms of from Dortmund. Um, uh, tricky winger, tricky right, uh, right winger. Um, perhaps didn't really take off for him at Dortmund as he'd hoped. Um, what do you make of those three signings? Um, yeah, Fabianski is for the, for the price you paid, which I think is around seven, eight million. Uh, feels like an absolute steal. I mean, you look at some of the, uh, the fees for keepers being touted at the moment, and <laughs> to get someone who was starting regular Premier League football last season for, for that little money seems like seems like a no-brainer. Whether he will be first choice throughout the season. I mean, we assumed Joe Hart would be last year and then Adrian got his place back. So I think it's going to be some healthy competition between those two. Um, in terms of, yeah, in terms of Wilshire, Yamalenko and Felipe Anderson, it feels like Pellegrini bringing those three in means he's looking to set up in a far more attacking style than last season with, I mean, I guess it was a sort of three, five, one, one that Moyes used a lot of the time. Um, yeah, just just using two, in theory, you know, out and out wingers. And in fact, I mean, uh, Michael Antonio has been back in preseason, back fit. Robert Snodgrass has come back from loan, and having those two either side of Wilshire and 
another midfielder, maybe another two deeper line midfielders. It's yeah, it's far more kind of forward thinking than, than West Ham have had the last probably last two seasons. No, for sure, and I think in some ways that reflects sort of the uh, philosophy, but also I guess what we expect from the manager, Dzeko Pellegrini. Um, obviously, what what we saw from him at City, it's it's, it's going to be difficult to replicate that. But um, to move on to the manager, then, um, what was the reception for that appointment? Because Manuel Pellegrini, of course, has good pedigree in the league. Uh, very different to David Moyes, should we say? Um, do you expect him to try and? Uh, implement that style of football that we associate with him uh, to West Ham based on the signings that you've had so far this summer? Uh, yeah, I think that is um, how they'll start out at the very least. Um, it, it could very well be the case that, you know, away games at Liverpool and Arsenal early on, meaning he has to dial that back a little bit. Uh, but, I mean, when Moyes came in, it was, you know, it was proper doom and gloom. Part of that was obviously the state of the club at the time where we were in the league. Part of it was Moyes at the time just wasn't the sort of person that would inspire confidence. And, you know, it, it took him a while to uh, to get some results. I think it was first first two away games with a defeat, 2-0 at Watford and uh, 4-0 defeat at Everton. Um, and, you know, it, it didn't look great there. And to have the manager come in who, you know, not only has Premier League pedigree, because Moyes had Premier League pedigree just... You've got to go back a bit further, obviously. Uh, but Pe- Pellegrini <laughs> having uh, a bit of pedigree as, you know, someone who's won matches, who's won the league, who's and who's kind of achieved with smaller clubs abroad, kind of maybe what you'd call West Ham-sized clubs. Um, I mean, especially at Malaga, um, getting in Champions League football. It, it feels like, you know, he's the right manager for this club and he's the right size manager as well in terms of showing ambition, but also, you know, not setting us at all up for someone who won things five, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's probably a little bit much to ask to see a total transformation overnight, but have there been any uh, noticeable differences that you've seen so far uh, based on the, the few matches that you might have seen in preseason? Um, I mean, it, it, there's there's two things to look at here. There's differences from the Moyes era and there's differences from this time last year when we were starting to season <laughs> under Village. Yeah, of course. Um, and in terms of latter, the fact that, you know, Marco Arnautovic is now accepted as, you know, the club's main striker, accepted as the guy who's going to be relied upon for goals and he's playing through the middle, he's playing with confidence, he scored the bulk of West Ham's goals in pre-season. That could only be a good thing. Uh, I mean, last year, we opened the season with a 4-0 defeat and then two more defeats. And, um, yeah, just having someone who can dig you out of a hole like, like he can is certainly useful. I remember the, uh, the Bournemouth game on Boxing Day last season where, you know, West Ham were seemingly out of ideas. And then Anatovic was there, he was chasing down a clearance. And then he was, you know, scoring a second late on. And that's the sort of thing that kind of magic that West Ham didn't have at the start of last season. To be able to have that for 38 games instead of sort of 20, it's going to be huge, I think. Yeah, of course. And I think one of the things is that seems to have always played or followed on out of it is, is, is consistency. I, I, 
I, I don't think the talent that he's that he possesses quite clearly has ever been in doubt. Um, since he's gone to West Ham, and certainly since he's been given a, a more uh, major role in the team in terms of responsibility, he does seem to have thrived upon that. I mean, are you confident that he can uh, do that for a league season? I, I know it's asking you to sort of predict um, something that you've not seen before, but um, uh, I think what we saw at Stoke was that he seemed to flash hot and cold every now and then. But um, at West Ham, he seems to be thriving under having a permanent role in the team. Um, yeah, I think that that's fair um, in terms of what he's done at Stoke. I've spoken to fans there who, you know, would would tell you when he was great, he was unplayable, and then you know that didn't happen enough for the time. Um, and yeah, I guess this season the big test is going to be how much he can do without Manuel Lanzini behind him. And Lanzini says he's aiming to be back kind of January, February, but realistically, it wouldn't be that surprising to see him miss the entire season. Those two linked up fantastically in a way that, you know, Lanzini did at times with Dimitri Payet when he was at the club. Not having that is it's going to be a big test. It's going to be a test of whether he can, whether Anato can kind of get reception from elsewhere on the pitch, whether he's going to need to be making slightly different runs, be slightly smarter with his play, and uh, and how quickly he's able to do that against Premier League opposition. So I think that's, that's what it's going to rest on for me. Yeah, I'm- Marco Arnautovic sort of learning to speak Jack Wilshere's language. Um, I'm guessing whatever that is, <laughs> <laughs> on the pitch at least. Um, uh, so it sounds as though, obviously, I, th- I think you prefaced it by mentioning those early games in the season, but you're expecting a more expansive, uh, perhaps more attacking approach, given the coach that's now at the helm, it is Emmanuel Pellegrini. What are your expectations this season then? Because obviously it, it was a very difficult season last year. Um, uh, with Bilic, perhaps as you as you alluded to, there staying on too long, the problems were quite clear to see, and then Moyes coming in to sort of uh, steady the ship, which is a phrase all Liverpool fans hate because it's it's uh, thoroughly associated with with, with Roy Hodgson, of course. But um, uh, what are your expectations then, as a West Ham fan, uh, going into this season? Um, I mean, there's expectations and there's hopes. Expectations wise, I. I you know, take a mid-table top-half finish, one where we're, you know, we've got to remember the last two seasons we've been in the mix of relegation up until sort of March, April time. To jump straight from that to, you know, sort of top six shouts that some people are, are giving, uh, you know, that's it's very ambitious. Um, it's not unachievable, but it's, it is very ambitious considering where we've been the last two years and, and how, how much other clubs are strengthened. Um, but yeah, first step is to be, you know, get to Christmas and not be fighting for our lives. I know that might sound a bit sort of defeatist, but I think take it from there, push on second half of the season. I mean, I guess I can see a few parallels with Jeff uh, Franco's first season at West Ham, where there's quite a few changes. We're playing attacking, expansive football. Uh, there were some some difficult games and the team kind of picked it up, finished, I think, ninth in the end. And, you know, if it's if it's top half finish playing exciting football, playing, I mean, I'm loathe to use the phrase, but the West Ham way, as, you know, so many fans will... Uh, will yes, refer to it. we're back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, top half finish playing the right sort of football, that's uh, air quotes there, um, would be, I think, a good start and then push on next season as well. Yeah, I mean, I think personally, looking for 
and Manuel Pellegrini from the outside, of course, um, a coach weirdly criticised for refusing to play more cynical football. I mean, that does seem to bode well in terms of him wanting to play expansive attacking football uh, with you guys. Although, as you prefaced it, perhaps there are some games where he's going to adopt a more conservative approach. I mean, that leads on quite nicely to uh, talking about this weekend's uh, opening game of the season then. Um, How do you see uh, yourselves approaching that game on Sunday uh, based upon, I mean, everything that you currently know about Liverpool and Liverpool's attack, Liverpool's approach, um, but also sort of balancing that out with uh, you know, Manuel Pellegrini, first game in the new season, wanting to make an impression, of course, not wanting to be too defeatist, um, as perhaps uh, the previous manager was. Um, so how do you see yourselves approaching that game, really? It's, it's obviously a tough choice. Um, it is a tough choice. Um, I mean, one thing I would say for Pellegrini is... Um, you know, he ha- he has form for taking on a Jürgen Klopp side and, well, nullifying them to a point when he was, uh, when he was at Malaga and when Klopp was at Dortmund and he came within, I think, 30 seconds and a, an offside goal of knocking them out of the competition. Wow. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm hoping from that point of view, he's, uh, you know, obviously Klopp and Pellegrini have been down very different paths since, but feels like he knows how how he wants to at least try and cope with that kind of football, uh, which I imagine would be kind of, you know, a solid setup, fast counterattacks for which, you know, Felipe Anderson is, is well known. Uh, Michael Antonio is pretty well known as well. Um, I don't think, I don't see Pellegrini starting with two strikers in this sort of game. I think he'll be, you know, very wary of not only what Liverpool have achieved in attack last season, but, you know, how fast they start games. Um, how dangerous they are, both you know starting out and off the bench with uh, the addition of Shakiri this summer. And I think um, you know it's going to be there are going to be chances to attack, but I think West Ham are going to have to be very selective in in terms of not getting caught out as they have done against Liverpool the last two seasons. Yeah, you mentioned the couple of players who are, of course, quite adept at. Being outlets for you on the counter attack, Mikel Antonio. I remember scored a really good goal uh, at Anfield last season, and probably what, what, what was one of the few highlights of of that game for you. But um, uh, adding Felipe Anderson to that as well uh, does uh, pose more questions, really. Um, just then to, to segue on, I mean, obviously, I, I'm, I'm not assuming that you've uh, kept up to date too thoroughly with sort of Liverpool's business despite the fact that Mourinho has been sort of crying from the rooftops because uh, <laughs> of the, the business that, that we have done. Um, what are your thoughts on the business that Liverpool have done this summer? Obviously, it seems like a change in tact in terms of the seriousness um, of the of the moves and the fees. Um, and uh, following that, I mean, are there any areas then that you look at this Sunday where you think, well, they're still gettable uh, in these positions? Um, yeah, I mean, Liverpool, I guess, have the advantage of having seen them do their business quite early with the couple of notable deals. Um, and from that point of view, I guess the Cater deal we knew about a long time ago. Oh, yeah. The Fabinho deal is one that caught me by surprise when it happens. Uh, if it, it feels like that size deal involving that size club, isn't the sort of thing that creeps up on you at all, uh, let alone the way that that did. Um, and I think those two certainly uh, feel, feel some kind of, needed gaps in the squad as does you know actually getting a goalkeeper who 
is you know a, a standard that Liverpool are going to want in the Champions League and you'd think reliable in the Premier League as well. Um, I mean, there's, there's no question Liverpool are a, a stronger side than they were last season in terms of personnel. Um, I think Oxlade-Chamberlain not being fit is going to be a huge boost to West Ham. I think he's torn us apart on many occasions in the past for, for Liverpool and for Arsenal. Um, in terms of areas that, that West Ham can maybe get at Liverpool at the weekend, um, I think the best, you know, the best chance of doing that is hoping that Liverpool's uh, side isn't quite as settled as it's going to be later in the season. In terms of one-on-one targets, I don't think there's anywhere we can really look where there's a huge weakness, but maybe legs are a bit tired from the World Cup, maybe players are a little rusty and not quite ready for the Premier League to, re- to restart. That's all I can really think of. So you do think it's going to be fairly a uh, sort of uh, sit and conserve and then a counter-attacking approach with the players that you alluded to earlier on? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be first and foremost try and stop Liverpool uh, and then try and do our own thing if we manage to stop Liverpool. Sure. And I think that Torino game that Liverpool just actually finished actually was quite a good example of uh, perhaps many games that Liverpool are going to be facing this season really in terms of a side sitting deep uh, looking to counter uh, Bolotti, who was actually very impressive. Right? <laughs> I mean, I, I, have to, I have to admit, I've, uh, I, I was somewhat ignorant of Bolotti and the strengths that he had. I, I was very impressed. Um, but I can see that approach having some sort of merit, though, because I, I believe it's going to take a while for this high line that we're playing at the moment to, to truly be uh, perhaps as tight as we want it to be. Um, Napoli um, and Torino as well both had joy with some of the world-time runs they were making. So, it's going to be interesting, especially with Joe Gomez, uh, who, who we'll come on to talk about, uh, starting probably going to start at centre-back for Liverpool this, this opening weekend, having not really played at centre-back that much, to be honest. So um, anyway, Tom, thanks so much for helping us sort of, sort of summarise where, where West Ham are. It, it, it's been a summer of lots and lots of change, both on the pitch, in the dugout as well. Uh, and we'll be sure to come back to you uh, just, just towards the end to get predictions and uh, maybe talk about some of the key battles. But we're going to be speaking about Liverpool uh, with John right after this uh, this short break here. Hi, Jan. How are you? Um, is everything okay? Yeah, absolutely, Gags. Everything is fine. But you know what? I'm hearing you've got a special offer for Anfield Index Pro. Is that so? Yes, absolutely, Jan. We've got your weekly show, Moby on the Spot, the popular stat show, Under Pressure. Post-match Raw is now back and loads of other shows available at our lowest price ever. Go on then, Gax. How cheap is that? Get this, mate. Get this. It's absolutely free for seven days, and then only thirty nine ninety nine for a whole year. New users can now sign up and access everything at AmfieldIndexPro.com. I have to say, Gax, that is incredible news. i got to go. Where are you going? Well, to be fair, I need to go and tell Rushy about this offer. <laughs> Thanks. Whilst you're there, please let Rushy know that we accept all major credits and debit cards via the website. And not only that, we've now added PayPal too. And if you want an app option, then via iOS, you can purchase AI Pro through an in-app purchase. Jan? Jan? Right, so back, uh, talking Liverpool. Uh, John, great to speak to you. Uh, I think I spoke to you sort of at a similar stage of last season, really, in terms of getting your, 
your predictions for the upcoming season. Um, it's been a busy summer, it's fair to say, <laughs> in terms of um, the business that's been done at the club, maybe the, the more perhaps the, the type of business that, that's been done and the statement that's sent as a result. Um, but before we get into that, I want to ask you the same question as I asked Tom, actually, um, albeit perhaps different sort of circumstances that we're talking about here. What were your thoughts, um, your final thoughts on the last season? Um, as we fell, of course, sort of painfully short at that final European hurdle in Kiev, uh, what were your thoughts once that had, all, all, the du- all the dust had settled, rather, um, and you're thinking about you know, going to the next season? Uh, where do you think Liverpool were? Well, it, my final thoughts were kind of a mix of devastation and pride. <laughs> yeah. Uh, devastated that we lost the Champions League final, uh, obviously, but very, very proud of the squad because to get to a Champions League final and finish fourth in, in, in a Premier League where you know how strong the top six were was, uh, was a massive achievement because uh, we've addressed a lot of issues this summer, but last season our squad was very threadbare in certain areas. And I think a lot of players maybe had to play in roles they weren't so familiar with and a lot more often than they ideally would have. So to get to a Champions League final playing that brand of football uh, was absolutely brilliant. And as bad as it was to lose, I was very proud of the team. So I think overall we could be very pleased with last season. Yeah, for sure. I think it was uh, sort of tough, especially with that sort of break between the last game of the season and the Champions League final. And, and, the, and the way in which that Champions League final went, of course, I'm sure plenty of people have their own opinions on how Liverpool eventually lost that final, but um, yeah, seeing uh, all the all the bad guys win in terms of Ramos, Silva, Salah, etc. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't too much fun to deal with. But uh, as Tom mentioned there, in terms of Fabinho signing quite quite soon afterwards and completely unexpected, because of course I think the links emerged, um, and then only a matter of hours later, um, the links turned into photos of the lean at Melwood. Um, he's there. He's ready. He's, he's he's a signing. Liverpool had signed a DM. Um, very strange turn of events, of course. Um, what are your thoughts then, as a whole, then on the summer transfer window? Um, we'll come on to talk about preseason a, a little bit in a second. But uh, of course, Allison coming in, uh, Naby Keita, who we were aware was coming in, but still quite a nice surprise for us all. Uh, Fabino and uh, of course uh, Shakiri um, as well from Stoke. Um, what do you make of the business that's been done so far by Liverpool in this window and, and what it sort of signals in terms of their attempt? I, I think that it really signifies that the club is learning from errors. I mean, if you look at some of the things that hindered us in last season or previous seasons, uh, number one, goalkeeper. Okay, we've done that. Uh, number two, a lack of protection for the defence. Uh, we remedied that with Fabinho. Uh, kind of a lack of mid- midfield creativity. Okay, we've got uh, Keita. And then uh, finally, with Shakiri, it was that our front three didn't really have the requisite quality in backup players to rotate them as much as we would have liked. So we got uh, Shakiri in. Personally, I would prefer one more attacking option to come in, and at this stage, it looks unlikely. But from what we've actually done, it's been brilliant, and it just shows that uh, we're learning from errors, which hasn't always been the case. I mean, you mentioned that we finally signed an exalted DM, but we haven't really had a proper one since Mascherano, and he left nine years ago. Eight or nine years ago, so <laughs> yeah, it's not as if like it's it's as simple as that a lot of the time. But Liverpool really have seemed to have learned from mistakes, so I can't be anything but extremely happy with the business we have done. Also, you have to take into consideration that we've got Pep Linders back as assistant manager. That will be a big help to Klopp, and we've managed to convince Salah and Firmino to sign new contracts. So all in all, it's been very good. 
No, for sure. I think, yeah, it's a, um, I'm sure plenty of people are actually going to be missing out on the fact that Linda's has come back. I think that that relationship was always very positive, and I think it's going to be obviously a, um, a boost for us as well, especially with the whole Buvat situation where there seems to be quite a lot of questions around that still. Um, as you mentioned, Salah signing a new contract is a, yeah, it, it's, it was never it's never a sure thing, and I think that's been very pleasing for Nino as well. Just waiting for Mane to sign it as well. Obviously, new number ten enjoying that role there. As you mentioned as well, it's it, interesting to see Fabinho, a gangly Brazilian, um, taking over from a sort of a short and stocky Argentinian and has a that defensive midfield job at Liverpool. Um, Allison, of course, uh, who we've seen plenty of as well, uh, probably the most confident footballer with his feet so far, of course, what I've seen in terms of a goalkeeper Liverpool have had for a very long time. Uh, Keita, uh, perhaps yet to see his full uh, sort of burst of excitement, but I'm I'm sure we're going to see that uh, as as the season goes on. And Shaqiri, of course, as well, who I think um, I was going to ask you who your um, star performer had been in pre-season. It's sort of strange, isn't it, John, that we're coming out of pre-season with all these signings, and actually the ones who we are most enamoured with perhaps are uh, Daniel Sturridge and uh, Jadon Shakiri. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Shakiri has been a lot better. Than, it's okay. It's only preseason. You have to have that caveat, but he has been a lot better and settled a lot quicker than Manny could have anticipated. And just the variety of roles he's played. He's. Uh, I was at the game on Saturday in Dublin. He played false nine for a time. He played wide on the right for a time. He played in centre midfield for a time. So. It's a shit pun, but he could be a Swiss Army knife in terms of uh, <laughs> flexibility yeah, okay. that he adds to that he adds to Liverpool. So uh, yeah, very pleased with him. And like you said, Sturge. Um, there was a thing in the agenda. Have you uh, been back on the Sturge bandwagon? Well, yeah. I like to say I've never left it. <laughs> I've been pining for Sturge to be fit for years. So you know it's a gamble, but I think in this climate, Liverpool were only ever going to get like what represented poor money for a player of Sturge's talent. So even if he weren't to sign a new a new deal, it it would be worth the gamble just to keep him the last year of his contract in the off chance he could be fit. Because when he's fit, he's one of the best English footballers there is. He is a fabulous player. So, you know, we're rolling the dice a little bit, but I think it's an easy choice to make. Keep Sturridge, see if he can play. And if he can play, invariably he can score. No, of course. I mean, I think I I, I put that question in terms of what, whether or, or were you not on the Sturridge bandwagon into the agenda. Just as a sort of devil's advocate really because I think it's um, similar to you I've always been pining for Sturridge to uh, to come good to uh, for his body to sort of allow him to play 30 games a season uh, which I think we, we all sort of know that I mean that's if, if Sturridge gets on the pitch for what 60 odd minutes 30 times a season he's probably going to score 15 odd goals um, such as the way in which he's performed for Liverpool so far so um, very exciting to see him looking so so good. I'm touching every piece of wood that's uh, that's around me, of course. Um, and Shakiri, I think I'd, I'd certainly agree with you. I've not had the privilege to see him in the, in the flesh yet, but um, uh, very surprised by the way. Not surprised. I mean, I was, I was talking about this last night actually, in terms of perhaps his reputation has gone against him in terms of playing for Stoke, uh, being the best player at Stoke, and having fewer options available to him in terms of passing on the ball, runners ahead of him people he trusts, really. Um, and you're seeing so far in the limited games we've seen so far in pre-season that when he does have all that, the decision-making is actually far better than we perhaps expected where it's like, what, cut it to your left uh, and ping it into the top corner. Uh, we've seen it so far that he's, he seems to have quite a few tricks to his uh, uh, to his book. So it's, uh, it's certainly going to be exciting to see how he plays 
um, Shakiri is a false nine was something I'd, I'd never really contemplated before I saw it. So that's certainly going to be interesting. But um, as a whole, then, John, I mean, people have been talking about this window and how the signings, one of the rarities of, of these signings compared to previous windows is that, uh, as well as boosting the squad, they seem to have actually strengthened the first 11, which is something that Liverpool have not done very often over the past five or six years. Do you think this is probably the most well-equipped a manager's been uh, in terms of the squad he's had at, at his disposal uh, for many years now, maybe even looking back towards, what, 2007, 2008? I would say in my lifetime supporting Liverpool, it's probably the best squad we have. Uh, if you factored in, if Oxlade-Chamberlain was fit, it would 100% be um, Ugh, our bench. Yeah. At stages, could, could contain the likes of Shaqiri, Sturridge, Henderson, Oxlade-Chamberlain. Like this is... This is a depth of options that we've never really had. I mean, in the season we finished second, the Rafa Benitez, we had this brilliant first 11, but under that it was very thin on the ground. But now um, we have, and that's the way you build squad depth, is that you improve your 11 and make the ex-incumbent starting players, your squad players. And uh, so far, uh, we'll see, We'll see. obviously on Sunday, that feels like what we've done. So we've moved the likes of maybe Jordan Henderson into a more of a backup role. And the likes of maybe Wijnaldum, into a backup role, and I think uh, I think that's a natural progression to take us from fourth to possibly, you know, challenging for a title. And uh, uh, so far, we we we've seemed to have done that. Yeah. And okay then. So, given the lineups that we'd seen in preseason, then obviously Kater, we've seen a lot of Fabinho, we've seen a lot of Shakiri um, as well since he came in as well. Allison coming in a bit later on, but of course, I think we all expect him to start. Uh, what sort of lineup are you expecting him to? Uh, to take shape for Sunday's game. Is it going to be similar to the one we saw in the first half against Torino? And and if so, what changes would you actually um, envisage from that first uh, first team for the first half against Torino? I'm very sure that Gomez will start centre-half and set off Phillips. And I would be pretty sure that Robertson will come in for Moreno. But uh, aside from that, I think that's the team we'll go with. And uh, people will point... You know that maybe uh, Henderson will have a chance, but uh, I don't. I don't think just after coming back and have barely trained. I don't, see I don't think that will be the case. No, certainly sure. not. So I think it'll be two changes, possibly one, but uh, at most two. What do you think about Firmino then? I mean, obviously he's come back in. Um, I mean, plenty would probably say that. Well, he he went on that journey with Brazil, but yeah, he actually didn't play many games. But of course, he's still training. Uh, still yet to have like a proper rest. He's probably had very few days off, to be honest. Um, and you sort of try and judge where he is in his preparation physically. I was on a pod with Sai Brandish last night, uh, and Sai was sort of sort of rolling his eyes at, at the prospect of Firmino starting this first game of the season. Uh, even the prospect of Trent starting this first game of the season as well. Um, he was sort of looking at it and thinking that should not happen based upon the the amount of rest they'd had. Um, would you be happy with Firmino starting the season, or, or do you think, based off pre-season, uh, that Sturridge had done enough to to earn that place? I certainly wouldn't be upset if Sturridge were to start because he can do the same things that Firmino can do in terms of with the ball, uh, dropping deep, linking the play, having the ability to break lines with passes. He obviously doesn't offer the same in terms of physicality and of pressing, but in a lot of instances, especially where teams park the bus, the gagging pressing isn't so much of a of an influence because the opportunities don't arise as much. So if 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 it were to be Sturridge, I certainly wouldn't be upset about that. 
it just it would just be seem strange that Klopp would play him last night and then not again on Sunday. Uh, like you mentioned, and it's the same with Trent. He didn't actually play that much in the World Cup, so he might be down a little bit on uh, on you know on the on the games he's played, but he has been training a lot. So there's a lot to take into consideration with that. Uh, certainly, I wouldn't be the biggest Klein fan, but you know Klein over Trent for, at right back for this game wouldn't be like a determinal thing to do. So. Yeah, neither neither could play. It's, it's a good point that he raises, but uh, yeah, I, I I wouldn't be too devastated with either not playing because I don't understand it. Who do you expect to play based on sort of Klopp's previous? I guess it's it's a pretty clear choice up front, right? Yeah, I I think he'll go with Firmino. It's hard to judge Firmino by the standards of other footballers in terms of like longevity and in terms of fitness and how much they can run because he's a phenomenon in that regard. I mean, he loves graft. He loves hard work. He loves running, closing down. Um, a couple of seasons, he's actually come back from preseason a bit overweight. I think he had too much of a good time in Brazil, but it doesn't seem to be the case now. Um, <laughs> last night, he showed some flashes of old. He, he set up Wijnaldum with a lovely kind of ball into the channel for, for Junior Wijnaldum's goal. So whilst he didn't look incredibly sharp, which is a given, uh, he still looked like he could, he could certainly get some value out of playing them on Sunday. Yeah, I was mentioning how he, he seemed to be still on the same wavelength mentally, which is linking up with that front three. But of course, I mean, about 30 minutes in, he did look absolutely knackered, which is what you'd expect, to be honest, considering somebody's not done any of the fitness work. And as you mentioned, he's got previous for coming back a little bit overweight, but uh, looked pretty good this time. Um, one area that, of course, then does concern Liverpool fans, you, you mentioned it already, Joe Gomez is expected to start this season as a centre-back. He's not even played that many games for Liverpool as a centre-back, and um, you know, Lovren, coming back late from the World Cup, uh, of course, one of the world's best defenders, as Salah's very keen to remind us. Uh, <laughs> Klavan and Matip um, both had their own injury issues and seem to be out quite a lot. Lovren as well seems to have quite a lot of games missed through injury as well. Um, is that a concern for you, then, that we didn't actually address that in terms of not bringing in somebody in terms of just, just purely better quality to partner Van Dyke, but somebody who we can rely on to be there uh, consistently? Yeah, certainly, because three, okay, so we have Van Dyke, obviously, but the other three, Clavan, uh, Massive, and Lovren are all quite injury prone. I'd have, I'd have qualms about their individual qualities as well, but if you put that aside for a second, they all are quite injury prone, so it makes it quite difficult for Cop to build like a cohesive pairing between Van Dyke and any of those three. So, uh, that, that kind of brings difficulties. Uh, Gomez is someone that if you looked at the attributes he had, you'd think he'd be a very good, solution to play centre-half, especially given his injury problems over the years. He thought that maybe playing centre-half would require less running and put less pressure put less pressure on him physically, so that's somewhere that they should look to play him, and it looks like it is, but we don't have a lot of evidence to suggest that he would be very good there, despite you know having what you'd think would be the prerequisites to play there. But certainly, if it was my choice, I would play him there, because... Lover and Amashev, uh, we know, are quite injury prone, are quite error prone, rather, and they don't seem to really, they don't really seem to learn from the mistakes they make. Whereas with Gomez, you have someone who has the capacity to possibly learn from those mistakes as he gets older, and especially playing next to a kind of a vocal leader like Virgil Van Dijk, and now in but in front of uh, Allison, and then as uh, kind of sandwiched in between all of that, then is for is Fabinho, a natural DM. So I think it's a lot more of a better environment for a young centre-half to play for Liverpool now than it previously would have been. Yeah, for sure. I think you 
you'd imagine he's going to receive a lot more protection than uh, previous centre-backs have had at Liverpool, let's face it. Um, and as well, sort of looking behind him as well, perhaps not imagining that uh, every shot's going to be uh, a goal, as it used to be under Mignolet, of course. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting as well, because I, I, the way I look at Joe Gomez is, is that alongside Van Dijk, in the games where we're going to dominate the ball, perhaps he'll be all right. Um, but in games where uh, we're coming up against more pressure, more persistent pressure, I mean, he's just untested, so we don't know really at, at this moment. So um, we spoke to Tom earlier on, uh, John, about how uh, Pellegrini, from what we know of Pellegrini, of course, yeah, prefacing that by saying that what we know of Pellegrini in the Premier League, at least, is with Manchester City, uh, a side full of um, attacking riches um, all over the pitch. But we got used to his style and, and plenty of people sort of criticised him at times for not being more cynical, uh, being more like um, uh, the media's current favourite, Jose Mourinho, of course, and in, in certain games um, where he just you know, he stuck to his, his attacking guns, really, and uh, uh, it didn't always pay off for him. But uh, what are you expecting West Ham to do when they arrive at Anfield uh, this Sunday? Then? Because, of course, they'll be well aware of what Liverpool possess on the counter. Uh, and what Liverpool do in terms of their general style, the pressing, etc. Um, but there is that ingrained Manuel Pellegrini philosophy. Do you think, do you agree with Tom in that they're perhaps going to dial that down for the first few games, given the opposition, um, and look to use the likes of Felipe Anderson, uh, Antonio, on the counter to try and hurt us? Uh, that's certainly what they should do. Uh, history suggests <laughs> they come to Anfield with a high line and trying to you know, trying yeah, to play out it, against yeah. Liverpool. Yeah, probably not a good idea. And uh, there's plenty of evidence to suggest that kind of sitting in deep and employing the tactics he suggested can be quite successful. I mean, Liverpool drew 12 Premier League games last season and many of them followed that pattern of Liverpool dominating the ball but not having, you know, not having the necessary guile to cut open teams. So even though you think it's the antithesis of his footballing philosophy, he's always played good football at Villarreal, at Malaga, at Manchester City, it's probably something which he should do. It'll be interesting to see whether he'll do it. But if he comes out and tries to play the similar kind of style that, as he played at Manchester City against Liverpool's press, uh, yeah, I think I could see Liverpool winning it quite comfortably. So he should certainly employ a tactics where he's kind of maybe plays a 4-5-1 and tries to flood the midfield and sit in deep and look to play long for Arnautovic because Arnautovic has the physicality to be able to be that kind of focal point for them and hold the ball up whilst the others like uh, Yarmolenko or Felipe Anderson use their pace on the break. So that's definitely what they should do. Whether they will do it, we'll find out soon. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they played the way he always likes to play. And from what you saw in preseason as well, I mean, I thought we did very well for the majority of of preseason. But um, on occasion, there were instances where that high line that we're, that we're currently playing was tested. And I think actually in that Napoli game, they were very unlucky to get some of, some of those decisions against them in terms of those yeah. late runs that were made. Do you think that's oh, going to be yeah. a chance for these for the sorts of players you mentioned there? If they time their runs well, um, they're going to get 1v1s, aren't they? Oh, totally. Because first of all, Alisson is just in the door. Um, you know, it, it might take a little bit of time for him to kind of get into the idiosyncrasies of the high line because he likes to sweep quite aggressively, so maybe that'll take a little bit of time. Fabinho is new, of course, uh, to the defensive midfield position, so he's more or less part of the defence. And then you have Joe Gomez, who's 
like we mentioned before, is relatively untried at centre half. So, you know, there, there's a lot of betting in going on there, and West Ham, I'm sure, will see see that as an opportunity to maybe uh, to maybe hurt Liverpool. So, like I said, if they try and play kind of long balls with the pace they have over the top, they might get some joy over. Yeah, and so I guess just carrying on from that, then, John, um, if you were an opposition manager. Um, not necessarily West Ham and the, and the players that West Ham have, but um, if you're just generally an opposition manager facing Liverpool at Anfield this season. Uh, we saw what Torino tried in terms of you know, sitting deep and looking to counter with with Belotti. Um, what what would you do against Liverpool this season? And I guess look, looking at the squad and how it's been reinforced so far, where do you still see weaknesses that you think that's where I'd, I'd try and target that if, if I'm an opposition coach coming to Anfield this season? It's not... It's not a criticism of the player himself, but you know you you'd, you'd obviously look to talent to target the right hand side of the defence, which is Trent Alexander Arnold slash one other. Trent is going to be a fabulous player and is already very good, but he's a 19 year old centre midfielder who's learned the ropes at right back. He's not going to be perfect all the time. I mean, he had trouble away to United, he had trouble away to Crystal Palace with Zaha. So I think the idea would be to probably target that side of the defence, and then you have. Is whether it's massive or lot when you have a lot of uh, kind of erratic center right sided center halves playing there. So I think the right side of Liverpool's defense is certainly something that if I was an opposition manager, I'd I'd look to target. But uh, I think as time progressed, Trent has become a much better defender, and I don't think we'll ever get too many moments like Old Trafford last season where it was just kind of simple things like reading the flight of the ball. We, I don't think we're going to get that as often as as we did, but uh, it, it would certainly be somewhere I'd target if I was playing against Liverpool. Yeah, of course. Uh, absolute delight that of all the games for that to happen last season. Old Trafford. Yeah. Uh, very pleasant for us all. <laughs> um, uh, Tom, to bring you back in then, I guess focus a, lo- a little bit more on this weekend, as much as we can, of course. I mean, so, so much is up in the air. And it, uh, you know, when you're kicking off a new season, I mean, both in terms of who's going to line up on the pitch uh, it's really a case of just extended training session, almost extended pre-season at this stage. Um, who would you expect to then uh, start up top for West Ham in terms of faced with that battle, trying to get something out of this game? Um, and, and who would you view as the key players, uh, even this early on, uh, in a game like this against Liverpool at Anfield? Um, I think uh, I think a lot's going to come down to whether Yamalenko is fit for this game. It looks at the moment like he won't be. Um, so that leaves us with Anatovic probably playing as a one with Felipe Anderson on one side. And the way it's looking at the moment, I think we could see Snodgrass start ahead of Antonio, but it's going to be, I imagine, one of those two uh, on the other wing. I don't think Hernandez will be, uh, will be starting either wide or through the middle. Um, and yeah, I think, I mean, as I said, a lot is going to depend on counterattacks, which means a lot is going to depend on and Atovic and the supply line. Um, but also, I mean, one thing we've noticed in pre-season with uh, the way that Pellegrini set things up slightly differently is, uh, as well as the formation moving from three at the back to four at the back, he's moved Declan Rice into a holding midfield role. So, I mean, you guys are talking about Alexander-Arnold as a midfielder being pushed back to right back. There's a bit of that with Rice last season. Be it centre-back, right back, left back. I think this game... Certainly this season, we may see him um, as either the sole holding midfielder or as one of the two with Martin Noble or Pedro Bian. So I think the way he adapts to that, having you know spent most of the last season 
in a much deeper role is going to be pretty key to this game. And you mentioned Declan Rice there as well. I mean, was I wrong in that Reese Oxford's already sort of made his move away from West Ham again? Or is he going to be an option for you this season? Clearly a real big talent as well. Uh, yeah, there's a bit of mystery around what's happened with Reese Oxford um, the last couple of years. So I think there's certainly something between him and Bilic, although we're not sure what exactly, because uh, obviously Bilic gave him his debut, used him quite a bit at the start of that season, and then he was, you know, loaned out. He was almost sold last January. I think if Bilic had still been around and Moyes hadn't come in, I think he would have been sold in January. Um, he's still at the club, as far as I know. He he was away on the preseason tour, but barely featured if he featured at all. Uh, and there's been interest. It's just, I think, a case of getting the fee right. I think we turned down 15, 60 million for him last season. So if that sort of amount comes around again, I wouldn't be surprised to see him leave. Interesting. Yeah, it's a real shame. I think it's going to be interesting to see where he goes and how he develops because, of course, there was so much hype around him uh, early on. John, bringing you in then, I mean, we've already talked about the team that we're expecting to see this weekend, more or less, a couple changes here and there. Um up top, maybe there's an interesting question as well. Um, in terms of how we're going to play, uh, you saw against Torino what it's like when a side sits deep and looks to adopt that approach against you, which we're going to clearly come up against quite a lot at Anfield this season. Uh, teams being a bit more cautious. Um, Naby Keita, Fabino, and Wanyardum in midfield. And what, one of the interesting things about that was that Wanyardum was the one who was freed up to make those late runs. Uh, probably due to the fact that you know Fabino and Cater are both midfielders who know how to sit and screen, so that actually allowed people to dovetail and take their turns in making those good runs. Do you think that's going to be a key factor there in terms of how we break down teams this season who who do look to be conservative and sit? Yeah, it certainly will. And uh, I noticed how involved Salah was in the build-up uh, last night, more so than maybe at times last season. So I, I think the dynamic might have changed a little bit. And it's good that you mentioned Fabinho. I think having Fabinho there kind of gives Keita and Wijnaldum the kind of license to burst forward a lot more. People familiar with Wijnaldum knew that he would score quite often in a similar role for PSV in the Netherlands. He's very good at getting into box late. And uh, although mostly it came in big bursts, he scored quite a few for Newcastle playing off, playing off the striker for Benitez. Kind of how Gerrard would play off Torres in a similar kind of shape when Benitez was at Liverpool as that second striker. So I think he's very well accustomed to getting into the box and adding goals. So that that that's another kind of uh that's another kind of feather to Liverpool's cap next season. I think Oxley Chamberlain could have done similar, but now that he's injured, I think Keita was or Wijnaldum will step into that role and I think he could do it so a plum. He could get something like eight or nine goals, which is uh which added to this, the goals that I think our forwards will get would make for a very profitable season. And Tom, I sort of hate asking this question because I think it's a, sort of a lame one, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, in terms of the, the players that Liverpool have then, I mean, which one is it that you'd be looking at this, this Sunday and thinking that's, that's the big threat, that's the one that we, need, that we need to try and negate? Or is it a case of just now that there are, there are so many um, that you need to sort of adopt a overall conservative approach to sort of uh, deal with them. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Just watching Liverpool uh, at pretty much any point last season, you could see that it's not a case of stopping one player. Um, it is, you know, 
you stop Salah, you got Mane, you stop Mane, you got Firmino, and so on and so forth. Um, I think one thing uh, we should always, I guess, be wary of is, I think, both at Liverpool and at Southampton, Mane seems to start seasons very fast. I think he might have scored Liverpool's first goal yeah. last season and in the opening game of the season before, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and he, at one point, had a ridiculous record for you know, goals scored in the month before the transfer window opens, which is uh, always interesting to see whether he continued after getting his move, and he did uh, after trying Liverpool. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's strength all through the team. I, I think if I don't think West Ham are going to kid themselves into thinking cut out one source and then we're fine. I think it's going to be a case of just you know not giving you know limiting the amount of space and give Liverpool over ninety minutes and. That even that might not be enough. Sure. All right, then. In terms of coming to predictions, then, for uh, both this game, I think at this stage, it's probably worth me asking about your predictions for the season as well. So, um, for this game itself, how do you think it's going to go, Tom? And then also, how do you think West Ham's season is going to go as well? Um, I, I can't really see a lot more than a Liverpool win this game. I think, I mean... Last season, in the uh, in the heavy defeat, there was that moment when Anatovic had a shot tipped onto the bar, which could have given us a lead, could have changed it. But even then, you know, every game we've played against Liverpool the last few years, we've, you know, with the exception of the three 0 at Anfield a couple of seasons ago, it's looked like only one winner. I think Liverpool were much stronger than they were in that game, and I'm going to go with a two 0 Liverpool win uh, this weekend. As for the season. Uh, yeah, I, I can see West Ham looking sort of healthier, looking better than the last couple of years, finishing sort of a comfortable eighth, ninth, tenth, that sort of region. Yes, yeah, I don't think it's interesting with West Ham and this collection of players that I can sort of see it going either way, really, just depending on how it gels. Um, I think you could perhaps even push even higher than that, to be honest, if, it go, if everything goes well. And Pellegrini's got sort of this grandfather approach that everybody's sort of, uh, buys into, of course, but it, if it went wrong and Mark Noble just destroys everything, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen there. But um, John, bringing you in, same questions then. Uh, how do you think this game of the weekend is going to go? And then also um, your overall thoughts for how you think the season is going to go uh, for a new look Liverpool side. I think um, I think I agree with the two 0 scoreline to Liverpool. Uh, I think West Ham will have a good season. Pellegrini kind of is inflating with the ethos of the club and like how he likes to play football. I always associate West Ham with being a nice kind of attacking, passing team. Even when uh, even when they were relegated under Glenn Roder all those years ago, I remember them being quite easy on the eye. It mightn't have paid dividends, but they were still nice to watch. So <laughs> I think, but I just think that a... given the way he plays, it would be very difficult for him to come in straight away and then kind of tell the players to be like, okay, now we need to play a completely different style. It would take more time than that. So I think it's a good time to play a team like West Ham the first game of the season, even if Liverpool, like we mentioned before, might make some changes because of the World Cup and mightn't be fully at the race themselves. I think it's a good time to play them and I could see a 2-0 win. I think they will have a good season, though, West Ham. They have certainly have the players equipped to play that style of play. And Unlike under Allardyce and previous managers, I think Pellegrini will win the fans over. And as we've seen with Klopp at Liverpool, that's massively beneficial to do that earlier. It brings a whole positive energy to the football club. And mm-hmm. as for Liverpool season, I think certainly I don't think we'll win the title, but we'll be a lot closer to Manchester City. 
as things stand, I would put us as being second place. And hopefully we can have a shiny pot at the end of the season because it's been too long for Liverpool since they've won a trophy. Yeah, for sure. I think it's going to be interesting to see how Klopp balances uh, the squad usage, especially for the domestic cups. Um, Champions League is obviously going to be alluring for us again, especially after missing out so narrowly. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. So um, anyway, guys, thanks so much for helping me preview that game. Uh, first game of the season. I can't believe it's already here already. I'm so glad that the transfer window is open for a few weeks longer for all those European clubs. Great decision there. Fantastic work for the Premier League. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, I mean, just before I go, guys, I just want to ask you if either of you have anything to plug um, ahead of the new season. Tom, uh, coming to you unexpectedly. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I have a piece I've written this week on, um, I mean, those who follow me on Twitter will know I, I write about nutmegs probably too much. Um, so I've written a piece about um, Henrik Mkhitaryan's nutmeg from the weekend and just nutmegs in general. That's at planetfootball.com. And I've got a few more pieces uh, you can look out for next couple of weeks. Um, just Tom Victor on Twitter. So I will be posting them there. I'd certainly recommend Tom Victor, of course. I mean, uh, both the pieces that he writes and also um, some of the most agonizingly frustrating uh, puns uh, that are tweeted <laughs> out across football Twitter. You, you'll absolutely get your money's worth uh, and uh, also I mean, all the aggro you can send him on Twitter anyway it's, 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 it's probably worth that alone uh, John, do you have anything to plug as well? I, I, I know you've been doing uh, more of these Anthem Index pods this season um, but is it just otherwise just, just to follow you on, uh, on Twitter? Yeah, just to follow me on Twitter I've been uh, kind of getting more involved with podcasts uh, lately so hope to do a lot more and really enjoy this no, great to have you on as well. So uh, it's great to kick things off here on the Premier League preview for Anfield Index. Uh, first game of the new season. Plenty of excitement surrounding this um, and uh, can't really wait to get underway, to be honest. So uh, we'll be back next week to talk about the next game, of course, um, and uh, recap on how this West Ham game has gone. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you all for listening, rather. And uh, please make sure to uh, sort of keep an eye on Anfield Index Pro. Uh, subscribe. Plenty of great content coming out uh, ahead of the new season um, and uh, yeah, would really encourage you to all check that out so yeah be sure to uh, be sure to subscribe on that so thanks so much for listening guys and, and we'll, we'll be back next week uh, uh, to recap this game and talk about the next one so uh, thank you for joining us here on uh, the Premier League preview we'll be back soon Sports Social Podcast Network